Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Silver and Gold. Coming to the ring from parts unknown at a combined weight of 853 pounds, Pickleloaf and Dr. Zong. Dr. Zahn. Hi, people. How are you today? Been a little bit. Uh, some uh, vacations and some trainings out west and some technical hiccups that hopefully we have sorted. Um, we're going to drop a double episode week, it looks like. So uh, we're going to get to the one we missed today. And then uh, we got the uh, a little special something-something later this week that we'll get to. Yeah, something-something. Uh, Zom, how are you, sir? I'm okay. I'm just uh, trying to, after a uh, uh, an extensive road trip for Sylvan Gold, where we mm-hmm. took it across the country and and uh, experienced, uh, what was it, like madness, macho madness in Charlotte, North Carolina. I'm trying to get back on track, Daddy. Yeah, um, it's been a... You know, I felt like a I felt like a generic week here. I actually I, I helped with a, a kids camp this week at work where we helped. There was two different groups, and we helped one group make make a book, and we helped another group make a like a movie trailer. And they come in for three days and work on it a couple. Then they have like a showcase day where they kind of share what they made. So that was pretty fun, but it made my days pretty short because that took up half the day every day. Just kind of getting a mess around. And, um, you got to experience I, being around kids, and now you'll yeah. probably want to run out and have some, and and uh, take it to take it to another level. Uh, Move your I, life I did, in another direction, Daddy. I did yeah. see a couple of the kids um, out with their mom yesterday when I was out, and they stopped and told me they were still making. They made like four more more movies on their mm. iPad and stuff, so that was pretty cool. Um, any hot mamas? Um, no, uh-huh. there weren't any hot moms, no. Yeah, that's what happens when they become moms, I guess. Oh. <laughs> no, you know, what you gonna do? So this week on the show, like I said, uh, or this episode, we are going to cover the two that we meant to cover, what, fuck, two weeks ago? <laughs> um, we're gonna do The Hit from 1984 and Born Losers from 1967. Uh, and then in later this week, like I said, we'll get to um, the little... We're gonna do a little crossover thing with some some other shoes, so well that'll be later this week. But uh, Zom, what have you been watching lately? Um, let's see here. I've got it written down. Okay, people, here's the deal. Um, as I'm sure a lot of you know, that like television shows, series, 
and that, you know, really get into it and everything. I'll start one, watch a couple episodes, and then just kind of fucking flounder off. Well, I started watching Black Sails, and I fucking love it. Okay, now, I watched the whole first season. Now, I have downloaded the second season, but before I get into that, uh, Mike Ensley, uh, oh, should we say last names? Anyway, of Pensacon fame. Uh, well, he know, everybody, he does Pensacon, so yeah. his name's out there. He's Captain, public. He's a public figure. Yeah, he's Mr. Pensacon. Um, he recommended The Strain, which is kind of – it's a Guillermo del Toro uh, created and produced TV show. Uh, and it's a vampire kind of show, but as he said, it's not like Twilight. These fuckers eat people. Um, <laughs> so I got into that. I did not know it was Guillermo del Toro, who I love, and I started watching it, and I really like it. Although I will say this, Corey Stoles, he's the main guy, uh, the hero. Um, I watched him on Law and Order LA and have seen – he plays Yellow Jacket in the Ant-Man movie. Um, he's bald. Well, he has like a John Travolta hairpiece in this movie where he kind of nice. has like the peak thing in the middle, sort of widow's peak. And then the, it it goes up on both sides and then curls down on both sides and it it – they try and make it kind of fly away and loose to make it look more natural, which makes it look fucking less natural. <laughs> um, but it also Lance Henriksen does a voice in it. And uh, it's got the, um, is it Stephen McCaddy who played in Pontypool and played an absolute so, yeah. history of violence. It's, it's pretty, I, I really like it. So I'm just finishing up the first season of that and we'll be heading into the second season of black Fail daddy. Okay. Next thing I watched, uh, was oh geez, the director Nick Powell, uh, uh, his movie Outcast, which stars Hayden Christensen and Nicolas Cage. Um, I'll tell you what, seriously, <laughs> this probably wouldn't be bad if it didn't star Hayden Christensen and Nicolas Cage. They both were so awful in this, it was laughable. Um, they're acting. It's fucking horrible. Cage, you know, he's always over the top and, and you know, you know, Nicholas Cage. But he tr- he tries to invoke this accent and he sticks with it. He hangs with it. But it's horrible. Caden Christensen just sucks. This is on Netflix and it is bad. <laughs> okay, I watched Wormwood Road of the Dead, which is an Aussie uh, movie directed by uh, Kaya Roche. Turner and written by this is just to me was just a fun movie. Uh, it's over the top, gory, kind of a road warrior meets um, Dawn of the Dead or something. And I had seen the box cover art with the guy who looks like Mad Max wearing a uh, hockey mask or whatever. And I never watched it. And I just happened to turn it on yesterday. And maybe I was just in the right mood for something like that, but I liked it. Meh. Um, Age of Uprising, The Legend of Michael Kolhas, Kolhas or something, uh, directed by Arnaud de Palais and written by Chistella <laughs> Berfereva, de Palereira. Starring Mad. I love her. <laughs> yes, starring Mads Mikkelsen. Um, this is pretty good. I, again, this is one that I've put off i i don't know why i i love mads but 
seeing the box cover art, it just looked like kind of like a, it almost looked like an Uwe Boll movie with him having a sword and this and that. But it's not. It's way better than that, much more than that. Um, I don't know if it was Armin or who it was was saying that this story, it's a true story that has actually been remade several times. And um, he said he thought the last time was. Um, John Cusack um, made a movie called Jack Bull, and it's a Western version of this. Um, I liked it. It's on Netflix and so much too. Me. Uh, I watched Undisputed, the Walter Hill movie with Wesley Snipes Dig and James. Now, this one, I do like the other ones with um, – what's his face? Yori Boyka, Scott right, Adkins. Scott Adkins. Um, but I will say this. When you watch this one, if you're expecting that – um, yeah, those different. are straight to DVD, and they are fun and everything. This is way more than that. Uh, it's got a really good cast. Wesley, Ving Rhames, motherfucker. Um, Peter Falk, <laughs> uh, Michael Rooker, Wes Studi. It's got a nice cast in it, and um, it, it's a good movie. I just think it's a good movie. It's not great, but I yeah. like the storyline. I like how they don't make it so much uh, black and white good guy, bad guy, and everything is, um, you know, spelled out like this guy's evil, this guy isn't. Um, and I like the the acting in it. Everything was good. Uh, Miss Wesley. I'm glad he's getting back into movies. I just hope he does more than shitty Expendables movies. Um, I don't know if I mentioned this one last time. Talked about it before. Uh, the Losers, um, which was written by Sylvain White and directed by Peter Berg. Um, Idris Elba, uh, Jeffrey Dean Morgan, Chris Evans. It's got a whole bunch of people in it. It's fun. Jason Patrick's fun in it. Alien versus Predator Requiem. Uh, this was a fucking. Is this the one that was the big turd? <laughs> Probably. This one I think is the big turd, and I did not like it. I bought a box set of. I think there's three of them maybe in this. Um, this one was not even worth my time. So I won't talk about <laughs> it. Um, now, AVP, Alien vs. Predator. I like this one a lot more. It's, of course, nowhere near as good as Alien or Aliens. Or really, Alien, uh, Alien 3. Um, I don't remember that much about the one with uh, Sigourney Weaver where she was kind of the clone hybrid deal or whatever. Uh, but um, this one's worth watching. I just like... Um, that uh, like uh, Lance Henriksen's in it and he plays Charles Bishop Wayland. And then when you watch, um, uh, you know, of course the Bishop, the, you know, Android or whatever in the first one, second one, and also uh, Peter Wayland in Prometheus, which was Guy Pierce. I like how they're kind of stringing that together and using that and that they probably used, of course, uh, Charles Bishop Wayland's likeness for, the android bishop it's it's all right it's kind of like a it's i thought it was fun it's not horrible uh it was a very cheap um dvd box set i think it was like 5.99 or something okay i watched ex machina uh alex garland written and directed uh this was very very good um really pretty movie to watch uh i like the way it was shot Mm -hmm. um very intelligently done um it kind of almost reminded me of like an like arthur c Clarke, how he would take um 
astrophysicists and stuff like that, things that had not happened but that they were working on and put them in like 2001 and then later on the shit actually came true, like the the mechanics and uh, some of the theories and stuff that they had. Uh, You can see in this movie with the artificial intelligence and things like that how down the road we might be fucked. Anyway. Did you like uh, Oscar Isaac dancing? Oh, oh my. They, they threw that. That was in there, and I was like, holy shit. This is fucking awesome. He was awesome in it. The whole movie was great. I loved it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I bought it. So I'm watching one of these days. Uh, I think that's about it, Daddy-O, other than going to uh, Rathlin and uh, watching some movies and some G1 tournament. Yeah. In the room, doing some big splashes. Doing a couple of bionic elbows, uh, eating lots of food, laying in bed, which I got chastised for by somebody. And now I'm doing it. Yes, and now you're doing it. You're picking up bad habits. Um, we <laughs> that was a good trip. I had a yeah. we, it, you know it's a good good time. Got to see some freaks and geeks and hang out with some wrestlers and and and, Rod, um, and Roddy Piper died while we were there. So yeah, that was really weird. at a yeah. wrestling convention. You know that's kind of what. And Loaf got to sit beside and meet. Uh, the legendary uh, odd duck, Phil Baroni. The New York badass. The, the, yes, the New York badass. That was a high. Fuck. So- <sighs> fuck, fuck, motherfucker. That's my Phil Baroni impersonation. Yeah. Breathing. And that's him sitting still. Well, from what I read, and, uh, you know, because I posted on a wrestling group about that, and people talked about that, how he always ran out of gas and never had, um, uh, like, any really hardly any cardio and you could tell that because he was sitting in a chair and breathing like he would had run a race i told a i told a buddy at mine at work about that about i was like yeah he said all of a sudden he had to go up and piss like he had to piss and then he came right back He's in gone for like five seconds and the and the guy at work was like oh he totally went out and uh did a bump of coke i'm like what he's like yeah totally He's like he went up there and just sniffed it off his fingernail or something and came back in. Wouldn't surprise me because he was so odd. Yeah, you know. Um, I'm gonna split mine up, uh, but since we're recording soon, and I don't know how much I'll watch between now and then, so this is the stuff that I watched pretty much the before we were gonna record last time. Um, on the so I, I since the last time I've also not only been to Charlotte and seen wrestlers, I also went to California for a week. Um, to do some training for work, which was which was interesting. Um, it's you know it's 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 a lot of sitting there listening and doing that sort of thing. But you know, I actually felt like I learned some shit. But um, you know, I had the the miserable six hours of coach flight there and back. So <laughs> I did. I, I did. I was able to squeeze in um movie a movie there and a movie back. I watched Johnny Guitar. Uh, the uh, Nicholas Ray directed mm. movie it has Joan Crawford and uh, Sterling Hayden. Um, I saw this. So, oh, it was in. It was referenced in the movie we did, um, the French movie, uh, the Mel. Well, the one with the, uh, John Paul Bellamundo. Yeah, because yeah, he yeah. said he he sent the he sent his how his babysitter out to see Johnny Guitar at the theater. So I was like, oh, cool. And then in the. Um, um, Scorsese has done like a an intro for this movie or something. So it's it's interesting. I, I I don't know that I'd ever seen. Um, now, granted, I'm not you know I haven't seen millions of westerns, but I can't remember seeing two women with uh, Joan Crawford and this lady Mercedes Mercedes McCambridge um, be like the two like 
I guess, tough people in the West. Oh, she was a little shithead. Yeah, it's like, she. We're uh, gonna run you out of town. Yeah, I th- I, I um, sense that those two might have had some um, odd sexual tension or something. Uh, the, yeah, an 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 un, uh, unspoken passion. They can't they can't act on it. It's taboo. In 1870 or whenever this was. Um, but it was a good movie. Um, I was I was uh, doped up on Dramamine, so I think I stopped it in the middle, took a nap, and came back to it. So, um, let's see. And I, the one I watched on the way back was City of Hope, uh, the John Sayles movie I bought a couple weeks ago. Um, this has Vincent Spano, Chris Cooper's in it. He's let's see. There were some other names. John Sayles has a really funny accent in it. Um, but this is a. Uh, Another kind of salesian type uh, class warfare type movie, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, lots of like haves and have nots, and it's inter- it was really interesting. It it feels earlier than it is. I don't know if it's supposed to take place in the eighties. It was filmed. It was released in ninety one. What's it that feels- called again? I'm sorry. City of Hope. Okay. Yeah. Um, released in ninety one. It really I I could have sworn it was like mid eighties for the way it looked, but. Oh, and um, what's his name? Strayhorn mm-hmm. is in it, playing this like real crazy guy that just screams and walks around and repeats things. So. Okay. Um, let's see. I watched while I was there. I watched AI on HBO. I hadn't seen it in years. Still really good. This is the Spielberg uh, AI movie, not the not the new Ex Machina. Uh, Haley Joel Osment, who. Looks all grown up and kind of weird now because he still has a kid face. <laughs> and Jude Law was still sexier than I will ever be with tons of makeup and fake hair. Mm-hmm. Um, I really like this movie. And, you know, when I first saw it, I was not a fan of the end of it. But I kind of like I, I, I've grown to I've, I have a different feeling about the end. now. I, I like the end of it. And um, it I don't know what changed. But uh, I thought it was better this time than whenever I had seen it before. I've seen it a it. few times. It's really I, I like it a lot. It's it's um, it feels like a Kubrick movie. <laughs> so, which it kind of which it was, and Steven yeah. Spielberg kind of took over it. Uh, let's see. I, I don't watch. usually like Spielberg, but, <laughs> but I can't I, I can't think of any movies off the top of my head that I dislike. But um, Honest Liar, the documentary on Netflix. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is about the. It's well, the, the the synopsis is the life and career of the renowned stage magician turned scientific skeptic of the paranormal James Randi. It the amazing J- Randi or J- amazing Jane I forgot what his name is, but it kind of it. I, they I don't know if it co- if covers so much. It, it focuses more on his scientific skepticism and kind of how he would out psychics and um, televangelists and stuff like that. It focuses a lot more on that and then his later life. So it's not it's not not a ton of focus on his career at, until pretty much he retired and started doing the the uh, proving guys wrong thing. It just is amazing to me, and I think it says something about the human condition and how people uh, need something to cling to, whether it's religion yeah. or whatever, that he could literally expose these people and expose these tricks, con men, evangelist, whatever, and 
there are people that will still i guess maybe they need it for comfort or to explain things because they can't uh fathom something that they can't right uh, wrap their head around but it's just so odd that that people can can be that way when somebody's saying look this is how they do it can you believe the have you seen this yes can you believe fucking pop off is still making money yeah that's what i mean you know it's it's now, it's amazing yeah but uh you know what are you going to do uh watched another documentary on instant muscle 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 shoals uh, about the uh, it's a documentary about Rick Hall who found, who founded Fame Studios and they fil- they I had no idea they recorded so much fucking famous music with they worked with all these um you know the Rolling Stones uh, uh Almond Brothers uh Leonard Skinner Motown Etta James yeah. yeah and it's this tiny little like nothing town out in Alabama and it became it become it's like has he he had such a drive to kind of like one proof people wrong and stuff and and the sound that he created is uh it's it, it made me really c- kind of dig into some of that music too and i i love when when a movie can kind of turn me towards something i might have been not necessarily overlooking but not really paying much attention to really and um so i have i found myself for like the whole week afterwards listening to motown and all the all the bands that came through there did you watch uh the wrecking crew yet uh uh-uh. uh which is basically it's sort of the same thing uh they were a famous uh super duper famous uh uh session musicians it's on netflix mm-hmm. instant right now too and uh cool. it's it's those two were really the two big ones that are legendary and you'll see a lot of people that you'll recognize and shit in that one. There's um very good stuff. I it's called Wrecking Crew, you said? Yes, Wrecking Crew. There's that other one I've been meaning to see um the Shadows of Motown one about the backing band for all the Motown groups mm-hmm. that I've never seen either. Good stuff. Have you seen that one? Nope. Let's see. I'll have to look up the name of it. I can't remember it. Uh I went to the theater and I saw Ant-Man. Mm. Ant-Man is awesome. Yeah. Uh definitely my favorite. It's my favorite Marvel movie since Avengers. Um it's different than Avengers. It's a lot more lighthearted. It's funny. Um it's I, I liked it. it. It's it feels more like Guardians of the Galaxy than it does an Avengers movie. Um but I liked I honestly I like this better than Guardians of the Galaxy 2. Also, not 2. Um, I definitely see this one again. It's worth it's worth uh, worth going to the theater for if you uh, if you like just kind of the if you're kind of sick of the normal superhero kind of you know fight move to the next thing fight move to the next thing. This has some uh, some humor in it. Michael Douglas is really good. Um, Paul Rudd always very charming. I liked him a lot in it. I like humor. Don't get a lot of it in the podcasting community. No, not at all. And um, I there was some I loved some of the parts with this guy Michael Pena. Um, oh yeah, yeah. He's funny in it. I, I'm not going to spoil what he says, but he's got a couple kind of bits in it that are are pretty funny. But um, that's about it. I got a couple. I got a few more. I'll go over when we record again later this week. But yeah, that's all I have for now. Cool. Uh, why don't we take a break and we'll come back and talk about. We'll go in chronological. We'll do Born Losers. 
We'll be right back. Are you tired of film podcasts where the hosts exist in a constant, blissful state of agreement? I mean, the main, the main characters are two of the dullest main characters I have ever encountered in any film. Well, you're in luck. Let me introduce you to Chinstroker and Punter. One is an ex-film student with a penchant for David Lynch and art cinema. The other is a man on the street. Listen in perplexed and horrified terror as we tear apart one film a week. It just really It's isn't. not visually striking. No. I'm just, just getting confirmation. It's just in, that's the third time, though. I mean, I must, is this on? You can find us at csvsp.libson.com. So come and share the victory. If you could any man in film, who would it be and why? My answer is Lance Henriksen. Oh. He, he wouldn't tell. He looks like somebody... <laughs> he looks like somebody who can keep, keep a secret. First Billy Jack movie. This is directed by Billy Jack, Tom Laughlin, um, starring Tom Laughlin, Elizabeth James, and some other people. Too bad William Smith didn't make an appearance in there. He would have been perfect. <laughs> he would. He, he could have been the um, rapey, uh, rapey uh, faces. Yeah. Was that was you the, singing that song? No. <laughs> no, that's not me. Alright, um this is as I said nineteen sixty seven. Um Billy Jack Billy Jack battles outlaw motorcycle gang in a small California beach town. Dig it. Um, I should have done it in Macho Man, my quiet Macho Man voice that I've been working on. Zom, what did you think of Born Losers? This is like uh, this is one you've probably seen five dozen times. Oh, five dozen! This doesn't even uh, doesn't even uh, touch probably how many times I've seen this. Um, <laughs> I know that some people, uh, my dad included. No, my, my my dad would say of the the Billy Jack movies, not this one, but the other ones that. Um, uh, he liked like the fighting and stuff, but he hated like all the hippie shit. And <laughs> and uh, so anyway, but um, when I was a little kid, Billy Jack was my hero. <laughs> Dig it! I wanted to be Billy Jack. I wanted to dress like Billy Jack. I wanted to, you know, I just thought he was so cool. Anyway, did you dress like Billy Jack? When I was in fucking like grade school, I wore a black T-shirt, a black pair of jeans and a black <laughs> jean jacket because I loved Billy Jack, but I could never get the hat. Anyway. Oh. I mean, you know, I had several hats, but not, you know. Not, not that hat. Not the, not the, and this one does not have the iconic 
black Billy Jack hat. This one was um, before, you know, he, he Tom Laughlin developed this character um, for this movie, but then later on it became this, you know, huge thing and this iconic thing. Okay, now he, if you look up Tom Laughlin, about the time that I, I think between him and maybe Max Bear Jr., who did uh, the indie movie Making County Line, uh, those two were probably the first independent filmmakers that went outside the studio system, um, put their own movies, they, dis- they distributed them themselves to like drive-ins and movie theaters all across the country and just fucking made a shitload of fucking money. If nice. they spent, you know, a, a few hundred, like maybe $500,000 or $300,000 or something on one of these movies, uh, they made millions and millions and millions, uh, through them being shown on TV, uh, you know, VHS, DVD and everything. Probably still making money off these motherfuckers. Um, <laughs> but, this was the first. Um, Laughlin. Hey, for, for only two hundred dollars, you can own a Billy Jack hat. <laughs> I'm past that now. <laughs> <laughs> but but still, you know, there I, for sentimental reasons, you know. Um, but uh, Laughlin was this. He's just after the fact. Now, growing up, I didn't know any of this shit. But he was kind of like Billy Jack <laughs> because. His his wife, Dolores Taylor, who you see for a brief moment in this movie, and then she is like his girlfriend and has a major role in Billy Jack and the Trial of Billy Jack. And there was one called Billy Jack Goes to Washington, which was if you watch the other ones, Billy Jack Goes to Washington never got released. It did, I think, for like, you know, maybe just a, a less than a week and then it got pulled or they had a premiere or something and it got pulled. But the funny thing was when I finally got to see Billy Jack goes to Washington, I was like, okay, what about Billy Jack? You know, I've never seen this. It's, you know, I want to see it. And it's Laughlin took the Jimmy Stewart movie, Mr. Smith goes to Washington and basically <laughs> redid it as Billy Jack. And it's, it's good uh, in that sense that he goes and, and like takes over as a Congressman or Senator. I can't remember because this guy that he, uh, knew and was friends with uh, died. And so he got to go and take his place and he, and it's more of a political thing where he's filibustering and take, yeah. it, it, and it, they throw in an action scene, but it's kind of like ham handed because people expect karate. Um, this, uh, the, um, born losers and definitely Billy Jack, uh, were two of the first movies to really have, um, like Hollywood movies to, to have uh, uh, the main star know like karate. And he was also, you know, today all you ever see is like ex green beret, ex special forces, black ops and everything. Well, he might've been the first one to do that too. Yeah, I know he was a what trained killer. He was in Vietnam. Yeah, He or was a green beret and special forces in Vietnam, uh, which they delve a lot more into in the next two, especially they show a flashback uh, in the trial of Billy Jack when he's actually on trial uh, for murder. And um, he was involved in like a kind of Milai massacre in Vietnam. Um, and he had flashbacks about that and shit. Um, now this whole thing, this whole Billy Jack phenomenon too. Uh, and I think Laughlin got involved in that was uh, around the time 
when um, the American Indian movement was – they took over uh, Wounded Knee and um, they had a lot of uh, – there was a lot of uh, violence on the reservation between the American Indian movement who were the traditional uh, Native Americans and the um, the more prog- – I shouldn't say progressive but the, the, the ones that wanted to f- – basically assimilate uh that were corrupt and you know that kind of stuff if uh, now the movie incident at oglala which is the robert redford documentary uh, mm-hmm. about leonard peltier and a lot of the stuff i'm talking about now is now on netflix instant and it's fucking fantastic uh one of the best documentaries i've ever seen um but laughlin was involved with that he actually had him and dolores taylor actually ran uh, in um, Billy Jack and Trial of Billy Jack, they had what they called the Freedom School, which was a, a school that Dolores Taylor's character ran for uh, troubled kids. Uh, it was kind of a, a a school that revolved around the humanities and like teaching music and art and stuff like that. Well, they actually had a school like that. Now, in this movie, Billy Jack is kind of just introduced. Um, he is a a um, uh, half Native American because uh, they always, you know, half breed and, you know, this and that and call him all these derogatory names. Um, unless you actually lived out West uh, at this time during the 60s and early 70s, uh, the the uh, Native American kind of uh, life on the reservation was a lot like uh, the African Americans during the Civil Rights Movement more in the east and in the south mm-hmm. um so there was a lot of uh prejudice a lot of you know just hateful shit uh you know they they, they would just treat these people like crap and so he was used to that uh the character and everything and um this movie i think i saw if i remember correctly i saw billy jack first then I saw this one. They probably I think they kind of did it like a double feature at the drive-in or something. We went to see it when I was a little kid. And um but it's more of Laughlin taking the um uh, biker Hells Angels motorcycle genre and kind of uh wrapping another story sort of in there because you have all the um the usual shit that you would see in those old biker movies. Some of those are really bad. Some of them are, you know, not so bad. And, and then some of them like easy rider. And, uh, there's one called wild angels that Peter Fonda starred in, uh, with Bruce Dern that I think is pretty good. Um, but there's a lot of them that are pretty shitty, but they're low budget. (laughs) Um, they, they delve into the lifestyle of these outlaw motorcycle gangs. Mm -hmm. Now this one, uh, the gang is called the losers. And, uh, which is funny because I just watched the losers with Jeffrey Dean Morgan, Chris Evans. Um, but the one thing about some of these movies too, is like I said, on these motorcycle movies, you'll see, cause they were real low budget and, um, kind of like Corman or people like that would put them out. But you'll see a lot of young actors cutting their teeth in these kind of movies and that later went on to do some other stuff. Now, in this one, one person that uh, if you're a GGTMC kind of a person, you'll recognize maybe 
is Robert Tessier, who plays cue ball. Now, in just about every fucking movie he's in, he's bald-headed. He was the uh, uh, Connie Shockner in The Longest Yard. He was the bald-headed guy that Charles Bronson fought in Hard Times. But in this movie, he has hair, which is funny because his name's cue ball. Um, so he plays one of the motorcycle gang, one of the thugs. Uh, Jeremy Slate is the head of the motorcycle gang, the losers and uh, Danny. Now it's, it's kind of funny because they, they're in the sixties. So you have a lot of kind of like sixties fashion. Like he wears these big white sunglasses that look like women's sunglasses. Like my mom used to wear back then. Right. Um, but it's almost kind of like a mod kind of a look. Um, now some of the motorcycles, um, I was looking at them because I'm into motorcycles, but there are a lot of Harleys in uh, that the losers ride. Um, but there's also one guy's riding like a Honda. I think Billy Jack. Uh, well, actually, um, Vicky, the 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 girl. She, I think the motorcycle she's riding is a Triumph um, Bonneville. Um, but one of these things about these movies, these motorcycle movies, including this one is, like I said, they're showing the outlaw motorcycle lifestyle, which is just wild and crazy. Now, um, a lot later on and probably back then too, there was a lot of crime involved. Um, these days, you know, some of the larger outlaw motorcycle gangs are serious organized crime organizations. Now they might put, stuffed animals on their motorcycles and say, you know, we're doing toys for tots and we're not what they say we are, but a lot of them are wrapped up in the, you know, um, uh, white slavery, human trafficking, uh, uh, methamphetamine, manufacturing, drugs, smuggling, uh, murder, uh, all kinds of shit like that. Um, when they first came out after world war two, um, it was a lot of pilots and guys in the war that, weren't assimilating and they just wanted to have a club and get wild and get drunk and da 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 da. Um, now one of the things in this movie that you'll see is the guys kissing each other, like tongue kissing. Yeah. Motorcycle gang guys. And one, one guy, didn't one guy always kept want to take a shower with Oh somebody? yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, they, they said that they love to do shit like that because it just drove the straights crazy. <laughs> I say straights, you know, now straight means, this means like the uptight you know establishment kind of uh you know just regular people it just drives them nuts you know when two big hairy dirty guys like just start french kissing each other and shit (laughs) (laughs) now um i did look up the first when i was watching this i did look up to see when the first um male kiss was and it was actually the silent movie wings from 19 19 whatever it was 23 yeah, okay. um, I'm curious. I'm curious, like, because that one was just like, you know, I, I don't think that one was like a passionate kiss. Right. I'm curious what the first one was with like open mouth or anything uh, like that. Probably Jesus and Judas. Oh, that wasn't yeah. a movie though. Anyway, William Wellman, the movie Wings was about these uh, World War One fighter pilots. Howard mm-hmm. Hughes made the one Hell's Angels, and that's where uh, some of the motorcycle gangs of that time in the 50s like when you see marlon brando and wild ones and stuff like that early 60s where they came from there were world war ii vets um and of course hell's angels uh which was the the uh movie with that howard hughes did about the world war one pilots that name of course went on to be you know the hell's angels uh motorcycle 
uh, club. Uh, William Wellman did Wings, which was sort of the same thing, you know, a, a movie before its time, Academy Award winning movie about World War I pilots. Well, coincidentally, William Wellman Jr. is in this movie, his son, and he plays Dig the it. child, the uh, second in command to Danny. And he wears like all black and he doesn't say a lot. He's he's one of these ones when uh, Danny introduces Vicky to the gang um he like introduces her to child and he just stands there and he's really quiet and soft spoken but danny says he's like one of the baddest ones there is like he would you know rip your is he throat. the one that was missing his tongue no no that was no. um speechless Speech, speechless <laughs> and he was weird like i mean when he would do his <gasps> you know it's yeah. even when i was a kid that creeped me the fuck out and and it obviously creeps out vicky now at first, Vicky. when I was saying with um, Undisputed how they didn't just do everything in black and white, like these are the bad guys, these are the good guys, Laughlin kind of keeps it like that at first with these guys. Because yeah, it changes. It kind of changes tone with the bright, with the bikers about halfway through. Right. Because at first, the the establishment people like um this guy just accidentally bumps into Danny's motorcycle and Danny comes back to his car and says hey you bumped into my motorcycle and the guy kind of says something but Danny goes well you know hey let's just let it go he was cool about it but then the guy is an asshole uh you what know an idiot that guy was such a dumbass yeah. like okay i don't i don't uh I, I don't I don't like the fact that the the biker kind of came back and made it a confrontation, right. but then he did he backed off. He was cool about it. He never and really he was like, okay, no damage, you're lucky. And I was like, that's kind of he's kind of a dick for saying that, sure. but whatever. Just but there's like you know all these bikers are with him. Yeah, and this fucking no. idiot's like, you're the one that's lucky, man. <laughs> but it was it was kind of like the um, the straights versus the hippies. And that's another thing that that is kind of sewn in here with like the Altamont uh, Rolling Stones thing. People, even um, like uh, what was it, the Merry Band of Travelers, Timothy Leary, and all that shit. Um, they thought, okay, we have long hair and we do drugs and we're all about peace. Well, the the Hell's Angels or these motorcycle guys, they have long hair and they like to do drugs. They must be like us. Well, they were fucking wrong. At Altamont, uh, when the Stones did the concert and they had the Hell's Angels as the um, as their security, you know these guys were not hippies. They weren't about right. peace. They weren't about love. They were about stomping fucking ass, and they were you know uh, violent kind of guys. I mean, um, I don't know if you would say fascist, but you know a lot of motorcycle gang guys wear swastikas they don't yeah. let uh african americans into their motorcycle club and this and that so there was like a confusion and i think that the hippies wanted to band sort of together with them because they both were looked down by the establishment but that's as far as it goes because there were a lot of um motorcycle gang guys that really said we didn't want anything to do with these geeks, you know. And, and <laughs> um, I remember Hunter S. Thompson wrote a book, um, Hell's Angels, and he actually talked about like they went to a Hell's Angels uh, party and like seeing a girl get raped, uh, like gang raped, 
seeing, uh, you know, a guy, one of the motorcycle gang guys just like stomped his dog almost to death. And Hunter S. Thompson said, you know, only punks, you know, and cowards, you know, hurt uh, uh, a defenseless dog and they all jumped on him and beat the shit out of him. Um, so it was kind of a, they thought it was one thing, but it wasn't. Uh, they were very naive. Um, in this movie, that's sort of how this goes too, because when the motorcycle gang first comes into town, you have the incident with the guy in the uh, VW that bumps into Danny's bike. Uh, like I said, he uh, he kind of gives the guy a little bit of a subtle warning, but not like in a bad way. Like you said, you know, you're lucky or, or whatever. As he walks away, guy acts like an ass, so they beat the fuck out of him. Now you also have um, and you get you get some gore. Oh yeah, some, yeah. Like, that, that, it was gross. That yeah. blood and slobber like comes when he gets smashed into that guy's window. Another guy that you see in this that you'll that you might recognize, you might be like, you know, who the fuck do I know this from? Is Jack Starrett. Okay, now he plays Deputy Fred, who is another example of at the beginning where you kind of almost feel sorry for the motorcycle. Oh, he's despicable. Because he's he's a cop and he's just a jerk. Now, he was also uh Gabby in Blazing Saddles. Which was, you know, <laughs> the sheriff is near, you know, and he was also the asshole deputy in First Blood. Uh, that's, uh, you know, oh, whoa, look here, oh, Harry, here's a soldier, and you know, Stallone throws the rock at the helicopter and all that shit. Same guy, pr- pretty much playing the same part. They should have said that that, <laughs> that guy in that movie was named Deputy Fred too. Um, he was Teasel's uh, second in command and. First blood. Uh, he's in this. He's Deputy Fred. He's a dick. Uh, now, later on, what's funny is when the motorcycle gang, when Laughlin starts having them turn, uh, the heel turn, because <laughs> yeah, there's a lot word. of raping in this movie. Which there, there is a lot. Yeah, William Smith would have definitely been good in this, but but I thought they did a, a, a good job of uh, of uh, you know the the handling it without him. Um, I almost was wanting Deputy Fred to beat the fuck out of these guys, you know. He he does um, kick the shit out of Danny, uh, hits him in the stomach, you know. Oh, you must have bumped into my elbow, you know, and just that kind of shit. Um, now, another way that Laughlin kind of blurs the good guy, bad guy thing. Okay, there's no blurring. Billy Jack is the good guy, but I'm just saying yeah. uh, where you don't – totally hate the motorcycle club at the beginning was Danny uh, goes and visits his brother. Oh, and then with his dad. The dad is a total, like a, you know, crew cut uh, establishment guy who fucking just is abusive and a dick. And then Danny, you know, he hawks right in Danny's face and it's just so gross, but it's, it's like one of those things like the kissing when he hawks in Danny's face, Danny just takes the spit and fucking on his fingers and licks it off. It's probably, and that made me gag my fucking guts out, which is so gross. Um, you had two of the main. Okay, you had Q-Ball, who was Tessier. Uh, you had two other Stooges that they. Had. You had Speechless, the guy with the, the got his tongue cut out. I think they said didn't they say his dad cut his tongue out? I forgot who Something it was. Like that, but he was a weirdo. Yeah. You had Child, who was William Wellman Jr., who was kind of just like a really odd sociopathic guy. But then you had this guy, Gang Green, who was this great big guy who had washboard abs and was like real hairy. That could have been the William Smith role. Yes, definitely. And, he, and what about what about 
Wasn't there, wasn't Krabs in here? Krabs was in there too. I don't Krabs, see his name in the credits. Krabs was the guy that wanted to take a shower with everybody. Yeah, uh, okay. He was the Cletus Bush of the losers <laughs> who was a guy I went to high school with. The uh, <laughs> kind of a fat, hairy guy that was, you know, drunk and crazy all the time. Okay. So then when they first come into town and they're kind of riding up and down the strip and everything, these little, I mean, there were some hot chicks in this. Oh, there was, yes, there was hot late sixties girls in bikinis with hourglass figures that looked really good. And they're seeing these motorcycle gang guys going up and down the strip, you know, and everything. And they're like, you know, freaking, or I shouldn't say jizzing. I mean, I guess creaming in their little fucking jeans or whatever, because you know, the bad boys and everything. So they're stupid and young and naive like the, the the hippies are and stuff, and they get involved with these guys and go right off with them or whatever. Well, the next thing you know, they're all getting gang-banged and um, uh, end up with being really fucked up. The parents uh, – the one girl's like catatonic because they gang-banged her and uh, mm-hmm. Vicky and then this other girl. They're all fucked up, and the parents want to press charges. Well, then Danny and his guys – um, decide they need to um, to shut these fucking bitches up <laughs> because they're <laughs> going to cause trouble. Uh, there's actually only I think only a couple of the guys got uh, put in jail, and this kind of seemed like almost like um like I said the Brando movie Wild Ones with Brando and Lee Marvin uh, was based on an incident where something similar like this happened. These girls ended up going to a, a party, then claiming that they were raped and gang banged, and you know, they put the guys in jail. And the motorcycle gang guys came to town, so it's kind of like a true story. I can't remember what the town was called. It was a famous incident. Um, but so Vicky, uh, she is Elizabeth James, and the only other thing I remember her in was Dirty Mary, Crazy Larry. She was a police God. girl dispatcher in that, and she had a Tony Tennille. Captain and Tennille, Tony Tennille hairdo. Now, in this one, she's got the short hair. Uh, she's got a nice little figure on her. She does, but goddamn, she stinks. She stinks as an actress. Um, <laughs> oh, she, so she wears a white bikini and these white go-go boots and rides this motorcycle. And she has like the big – I think that may be where Danny got the glasses. He took her glasses, didn't he? Yeah. yeah. She had the big round glasses. Big round glasses. And she kept wearing this. It looked like a, like a napkin on her head. Yeah, it was like a little babushka. But, you know, I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> there was a great shot with her where she's kind of like, you know, the the group's fucking around with her. I love the shot of when she realizes she's, like, made a bad turn. And yeah. She turns, like, it's a dead end. And she turns around and you just see her, like tall white boot like yeah. down in the middle of the picture and then the, all the gang riding up on the hilltop in the distance everything's in focus a, i thought i thought that was pretty those, good those boots with the bikini the white bikini and the white boots definitely were a good look um so anyway billy jack is just kind of they introduce him you know and and uh see there's a lot of shit going on without billy jack and and they introduce him and he's kind of like a, if this could have definitely been a western and and laughlin was in a lot of um of uh tv shows and and uh and and you know kind of sh- low budget movies um the first thing that well it's not the first thing i saw him in the first thing i saw him in was these billy jack movies but he was in um a um charles bronson actually had a tv show 
where he was a uh, an investigative photojournalist, Charles Bronson. <laughs> so it was, a, it was a, right. a series. I can't remember what it's called though now. And um, I got it on DVD the first, I think, season. And in the first episode, he uh, goes to cover this uh, boxing match, and the champion—I think it's like the heavyweight champion or something—was an old friend of his, and it's Tom Laughlin. So you actually get to see Billy Jack fight fucking Charles Bronson in a boxing match in that, which is really cool, if, especially if you're a fan of of, of both of them. Um, so um, Billy is kind of down on his luck. You know, he comes back from Vietnam and everything's shitty and everything. He lives in a little trailer, has a little bit of land and, and, uh, but he's, you know, just kind of out doing his own thing. He doesn't want to be fucked with and shit. And, um, the, you know, again, Laughlin's in this movie and, in Billy Jack travel, Billy Jack, Billy Jack goes to Washington stuff. It's, uh, he's definitely against the one percenters and corrupt politicians and shit. And in this one, you see, you know, the, the bank's going to foreclose on him and, and he's like, you know, this is horse shit, blah, blah, blah. You know, he's, he's very soft-spoken and, and he kind of, he's, he's almost like a, especially in the other movies, he's like a, uh, the kind of guy that needs to go to anger management. <laughs> like he holds huh. everything in. He never shows that he's pissed, but then he just kind of, you know, goes off. Um, in this one, he's pretty reserved and everything, and he, and he gets along with everybody, but, you know, he's getting fucked, and he's like, you know, Jesus Christ. Well, so- <laughs> yeah, because, like, there's a, there's a big fight, and the two bikers that get, get incarcerated, they only – they get 30 days in prison or have to pay a fine of 150 bucks. He gets like four months or a thousand dollars and then has to like fucking sell his Jeep. And- well, then he shoots his rifle off, doesn't he? Or he's carrying his rifle. So when there's about 10 of them and he does like a, some karate chops and, and he fucking puts this one biker in like this Andre, the giant used to do that where it's called the surfboard. He put their, his foot in their back and then pull their arms behind. Yeah. That back. one was later on at the restaurant like, when, they were fucking, when they were fucking with her and he messed up that guy's arm. Yeah. And they, and they, 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 there's, there's a couple of confrontations with Billy and the motorcycle gang. Now he and Danny know each other. They probably, it seemed like they must've known each other from like high school or something. And, and, um, so they kind of have, and Danny's kind of like, you know, um, but th- B- Billy has a couple of confrontations and usually it revolves around these motorcycle gang guys. They're trying to either intimidate or trying to fuck with this Vicky. Right. And so he kind of is like the, the cowboy hero who kind of moseys in and the odds are against him, but you know, he's like, Hey, you know, and he even tells him, Hey, you know, just don't fuck with me and everything. But you know, they do. And then they put, they pour gasoline in his cowboy hat, which is kind of bullshit. (laughs) Such fucking assholes. (laughs) But now they're, they're, um, I, I, I think it's funny that, I mean, I, like I said, I I saw this at the drive-in when I was a little kid and I I guarantee you it was the early seventies. So say if I was like, I think like seven years old and this, like I said, now they don't show the guys like actually raping the girls, but they talk about like pulling a train and, and, uh, the one girl comes, they have their little kind of clubhouse thing. And this one girl, they must've like raped her like a bunch of times she comes running out and she's like, you know, you promised you wouldn't, you know, and they're like just grabbing her and taking her in the other room. So, you know, what's going on. And, um, uh, this also 
is, I think, the last movie that Jane Russell was ever in. Uh, she plays Vicky, or no, I don't think she plays Vicky's mom. She plays it was um, one of the other girls' moms. Who was the girl? Yeah, name? I forgot her the girl's name. Let's see, Mrs. Shorn is yeah. all that she's credited as. And What's now, Jodell was the name of the girl. There was a there was an odd scene in this, and I always think it's odd, and I still think it's odd. Now, this girl got. Um, uh, raped or supposedly gangbanged shit, which, like I said, you never see. But then there's a scene where um, Jane Russell, her mom, leaves, and she's kind of being a bitch to her. She's like, yeah, but then right before she walks out the door, she goes, you know, uh, she says, I love you, or, you know, be you know, be careful. I don't want anything to happen to you. So it's kind of mixed signals where she's kind of a bitch, but then she's, you know... She leaves, and then the girl starts doing this, like, strip tease... Didn't you think that was odd? Yeah, she for her stuffed animal. <laughs> yeah, she's like practicing being sexy or something. Yeah, she was cute. But yeah, like, she was cute. It was kind of odd. And, and the, you know. now the one girl that got gangbanged, like I said, she was she was um like catatonic. She was she it drove yeah. her insane. Now this girl supposedly had the same thing happen to her. And she was upset, but then she was doing that, so it's kind of like you know, okay, what's the deal? But the they get her ass and everything. Um, now you have, um, like you said, th- now there was a there was a motorcycle stunt in this, which was kind of, you know, it, it yep. uh, for for its time. You know, they I, th- I think it was that speechless guy rides this motorcycle into a, to a uh, a pond. And it gets some air, you know. I was like, man, yeah. that's kind of dangerous uh, for that low-budget movie. Um, I, I always like the scenes where Billy Jack's fighting and shit. And he's, you know, he, it, it, there's not a lot of um, real overt karate or anything like that. But it's just quick. And he handles himself, and they're kind of scared of him. Gangrene is the big guy, and you always, and they keep saying, ah, you don't want to mess with him. And they always say, that mother. You don't want to mess with that mother, mother, or whatever, you know. And he fucking dispatches him pretty good. Um, but um, the ending of this, now I rem- I'm not going to give anything away, but yeah. I remember when, uh, first of all, you know, you see some, they, they fuck with Vicky quite a bit. But then when Billy shows up in this one scene, you know, you kind of see, okay, this is pretty awful shit. And then um, he, I just remember this guy in high school. We watched, it was on TV like the night before, uh, like on a su- on Sunday night at the movies or whatever on ABC. And we came to school, and the one guy says something about uh, one of my friends goes, "Man, do you see that one guy who's like, I'm gonna gut your bowels out, Billy Jack." And then you know what happens is like, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so anyway, um, I have a lot of nostalgia for this, so I'm sure that I I like it a lot more than you know other people will. Aware. For like one of those, um, like I said, a, a, a quote unquote motor, low budget motorcycle movie. I think that there's more there uh, as far as like a storyline goes. I think that uh, I think Laughlin probably did see this as a Western and the motorcycle guys were the outlaws and he was the white hat, Gary Cooper kind of guy. So anyway, but I'm just curious, you know, if it, what you thought of it does, it definitely stands out from them. I've seen quite a few biker movies now and most of them are pretty shitty. 
Um, I, the, I also uh, said that Don Fargo. I, I I took some notes and I forgot, but uh, uh, the Don Fargo, the wrestler, would have been good as one of the bikers in this. Uh, yeah. Oh, he would have been the right age too, because <laughs> he was a scummy scumbag too. Yeah, uh, he might. You know what? He might have been still a little old for them. Yeah, but he was dirty enough. Yeah, he was. He probably still is. Ugh. Um, yes. This is uh, this movie was a lot racier than I thought it would be. You know, you talked about that, but like. The the guy like the guy opening up Vicky's top to like look at her tits and all the guys howling at her and there's more than one rape scene with like screaming and it's like yeah. not even like they're just kind of like creepy you know um, and the girls always trying to scream and run away from the guys the, well, the, the one the, girl doing the go ahead the, the the thing that got me and gets me about like that whole culture is there are some girls that. Like they had girls that were there and that had went through that same initiation and everything and stayed with them and liked it. Ugh. You know, Ugh. Um, <laughs> what what kind of struck me and I don't I don't know what it was exactly, but I think Billy Jack is the only person that ultimately is in this movie that's not just a total piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's why I like it. <laughs> well, there's there's uh, the one girl that is like she. Her dad like is trying to get her to come out of her shell, the one that's kind of like that won't speak. Yeah, I guess she's okay, and her dad seems like a good guy, but they're not in the movie much. Well, but he like, sort of was, but then I at first, you know, because he the girl wouldn't speak and everything, and he's like, "Hey, it's Billy, you know him." Da da da. And Billy Jack's being really gentle with her, and everything. but then when he sees Vicky, he turns into kind of a dick. He's like. How dare you? You know, he yells at her, and she's been through the same experience, but she wouldn't testify. Remember when oh. they went up to his trailer and the, the, that guy started yelling at right. her? So he kind of was kind of a dick. The, um, I mean, like, you know, the, the, the stripper girl, the stripper practice girl's mom, like Jane Russell, her, yeah. she was pretty kind of shitty. <laughs> um, the uh, Vicky even up, ended up being shitty. She had some lines in there, like, like she was there's when she's in the hospital at one point she's talk like out of nowhere she starts talking about like retarded kids at a hospital or yeah. something yeah that was odd yeah and uh the so like pretty much everybody ultimately ends up just being a crappy person in this i think vicky <laughs> like was just kind of like a a confused uh spoiled teen, rich bitch. rich dumbass yeah I don't even know if she was a teen anymore. So like, I, I think they were saying that she, I think she was over 20. It would have been be cool if Billy Jack would have banged her. It was up, fun. Up at, that, up at that trailer, you know? Out, well, no, out on the lake. Out on the lake. Yeah, like, yeah. Well, they may, well, I don't think they would. I think, I think that he was too, you know, he knew, I mean, like, you know, she, if she had been raped or whatever, he'd say. She had another line that said, she said, if rape is inevitable, lay back and enjoy it. Yeah. Well, I think she, no, I didn't she say that to she was saying that to the bikers just to kind of kind of get in like uh, act like she's tough or something. No, I think she was doing it to to keep them from from being on guard cuz she was going to try and swerve them. Oh. I don't know. <laughs> I took one note. I don't remember what this is. I said any idea what that switch was that crabs flipped? Oh, on the motorcycle. Oh yeah, it's um on motorcycles that are carbureted, they yeah. have a, a switch down there. Like if I'd always see these guys before I started riding, and it seemed like they were fiddling with something. I was like, "What the fuck are they doing?" Even when they were sitting at a stoplight or whatever. Um, what that is is when the switch is going sh- like straight across, the gas is turned off. When it's flipped all the way up, the gas is on. It lets the gas flow from the tank, mm. and then from straight across, which is off, 
if you flip it down, that flips it to the reserve because there are several times I'd be riding down the fucking road and all of a sudden the bike would just start going and I'm like, Oh fuck, I'm breaking down. And and then all you have to do is reach down and flip it to the reserve and it, it'll take you another 30 miles to get gas or whatever. That's what it was. She he so, turned her gas off. Oh, okay. She made it kind of far with no gas. Yeah. So. Well, like I said, uh, on the one I had, it was I think it said it would go like a maybe 30, 35 miles on reserve. Mm-hmm. Now with the fuel injection, you have gauges that, you know, tell you, you know, or lights that say, "Okay, you're running out of gas." For me, the middle of this movie was really dragged. Mm-hmm. Um I like I I really liked the intro with the the kind of back and forth with the motorcycle gang and are they going to be assholes or not. I liked that kind of fight and stuff that happened in the street with Billy Jack. But like when Vicky comes on, I think maybe it was Vicky. Maybe yeah, she, she was bad. She, but like, there's like, they have this awkward, really awkward getting to know you where he gives her that like little present. Like she's five years old. Yeah. The little fucking skeleton the, thing. The bank. Yeah. I, I don't know. The, the center of this movie where it's like, they're almost fighting with the gang, but not quite. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like the the end really ramps up. Uh, yeah, there's there's a lot of back and forth that I kind of lost a little bit, but the um, I dig the drama at the at the hi- dig it at the at the hideout. Um, the the music the, uh, in this was definitely like Western music. Yeah, too. yeah, it it did feel like a Western. Um, the and there, that scene with Vicky was brutal. Like with what the what they were kind of doing with her. Um, there's a really cool shot later on with like a blood smear on James Dean's mouth that I thought was kind of neat. Yeah, yeah. Um, and um, I don't have a whole lot else to add. I I can't say I loved this, but it definitely left me wanting to see the other Billy Jack movies, which is a win in some way, right? Well, so. I will say this. Uh, this is just a little side note from uh, about Jeremy Slate, who plays Danny, the the main foil, the head of the motorcycle gang. Uh, nothing from nothing, but he was the first, like one of the first Hollywood actors to come out as bisexual. Like he just mm-hmm. said, hey, I am, and I don't give a shit. The, the, in, uh, I know when we were in Charlotte, I bought a uh, Shock Cinema magazine, which I love that magazine. I haven't got one in a long time. But um, there, I, there was a <coughs> one of those one time that had an interview with him. That's one thing they're really good at is going and getting uh, interviews with with guys like that from a say, a, and he was in a lot of stuff. If you look yeah. him up, he's he's been in a lot of movies. Um, but he definitely, you know, uh, they ask him, you know, what it was like to be one of the first people to to uh, come out and identify as bisexual and not care and da da da. And it was a pretty cool, uh, pretty cool interview. Um, Laughlin ran for president of the United States of America. <laughs> like three or four times, uh, I think for – I don't know if it was for the Green Party. I can't remember which. But I hadn't seen him in in ages um, uh, because after he, he, they were making um, the fourth Billy Jack movie, which was The Return of Billy Jack, and he got injured. Uh, a guy – I think they said a guy, one of the stuntmen hit him over the head with a uh, – uh, uh, was supposed to be like I guess like a breakaway beer bottle, and it mm-hmm. fucked his neck up really bad. Uh. So that movie never even got completed. Um, but I hadn't seen him for ages and ages after that. And then they said, "Well, you know, Tom Laughlin's running for president." Then when I saw him, I mean, he had become like a fat old man. Yeah. Um, now he also made a movie. Um, Jesus Christ! What the hell was this? Um, okay, 
I think we may have reviewed it. Uh, a, a Japanese samurai movie called uh, Go Yoken or Guiyoken, uh, which did we review that? It was kind of a. Um, he made a movie called The Master Gunfighter, and it was a western that took place in Southern California, and it had a lot to do with the. Uh, you know the Spanish and this and that. He was a gunfighter, and he carried a samurai sword too. Um, I don't think we reviewed that. It's, I watched it. Um, I had seen because, of course, you know, loving Billy Jack and everything. I watched everything he he uh, did, which wasn't a lot because he didn't work within the studio. He wanted to do it on his own, um, but. Master Gunfighter was another one that they would show on like Sunday night at the movies or whatever on ABC. Um, and I had seen it a bunch of times. And it's an odd movie because it's a Western. But like I said, he carries a samurai sword and some of the other guys that he's going up against do too, but they're gunfighters. But then uh, I rented this movie, uh, Goyokan from 1969, which is a, a Hideo Gosha. Uh, directed movie written by Kias Tasaka and Hidoya Gosha. Uh, and I'm watching the Samurai movie and I'm like, have I seen this before? Because <laughs> everything in it, I was like, I remember this. How the hell do I know this? And then I realized that Laughlin took this movie and turned it into a Western. So nice. that's another one to look up, you know. Cool. But And it also has a, a Ron O'Neill Superfly. Uh, it's yeah. the bad guy in that one. But that's all I have on the Billy Jack. That's all I have too. Let's rate it. Uh, for me, I mean, you know, I I would give it a seven, even though in my heart it's like a fucking nine. It's a seven. <laughs> it's it it's uh it's for nostalgia reasons. I love mm-hmm. it, but you know, and and I I think for a low budget movie, um, a guy just going out and saying, hey, let's make a movie. You know, you could do worse. It was- oh yeah, and and you can definitely do worse in the biker genre. Too. Oh yeah, there's some really shitty ones. Yeah, um, I give it a six. I, I you know it's solid for me. Um, I did kind of it did lose me in the center. It made it feel longer than it probably needed to. Um, but I was I, I was surprised by some of the the violence and stuff like that. There were some little artistic flourishes that maybe he was working out that I thought were interest interesting touches. But um, you're gonna you know, get- definitely. You're going to Go get ahead. a lot more in the the original Billy Jack movie. Is uh, it's uh, I think Warner Brothers might have been behind that. Hmm. Uh, a lot more, a bigger budget. It's not a biker movie. It's uh, it, and um, it's definitely a superior movie. And yeah. Trial of Billy Jack was good too. Um, but uh, the, the you know this movie. Um, not what, not quite what I expected. So um, that I appreciated about it. So yeah, six for me. Awesome. Let's take a break and come back and talk about one that was a another surprise to me because I'd never heard of it. <laughs> the hit. We'll be right back. Hey, this is Scott of Married with Clickers. Tune in to hear my wife Cat and me discuss all sorts of movies. We'll cover everything from The Lost Weekend to Weekend at Bernie's, from The Big Sleep to Big Mama's House. Well, maybe not Big Mama's house. And the great thing about Kat is that she's not afraid to speak her mind. And would you be surprised to hear he was nominated for Best Actor that year? For that film? For that film. 
<laughs> but don't take my word for it. Just listen to what the Gentleman's Guide to Midnight Cinema has to say about our show. Well, it's a husband and wife show, and they discuss movies and stuff. You have a very wife-husband show. High praise indeed. So come find us at marriedwithclickers.libson.com. It will save your life. Or maybe just help you kill an hour. lives in Spain, where he thinks he can hide from their vengeance. But one day, ten years later, two hitmen, Braddock and Myron, show up and kidnap Willie. They are ordered to escort him back to Paris, where he should stand trial. But it is a long way to Paris. Is that really why they wanted to take him back for trial? Nope. <laughs> Harold Mayer, you stink. Um... So, the hit is one I stumbled across. It's been three weeks since I saw this fucking movie. So, I liked it. Tom, what'd you think of it? Um, no, it's uh, good. I had never heard of this before. Um, and it, 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 I think I found it on Criterion's site um, because uh, Tim Roth, mm? who plays Myron. Yeah. Um, is that his name? Yep. He is on the cover, and so that that it kind of caught my eye there. Now, or wait, that is, is that even him? No, that's Zod. Oh my God! It looks like Tim Roth's eye there. That's weird. Because um, I thought it was Tim Roth on the cover when I looked at it, and I just looked at it again. I was like, "Holy shit, that's not him." That's funny. So I thought it was him, and when I went in. Uh, and saw that he was in the movie, and now I'll look at the cover again, and he's not. So, uh, yes, it is Zod. It, it does star <laughs> Zod. <laughs> Man, that is so weird. I could have sworn that was Tim Roth in the center circle there. Center circle. Center takes a circle. Center takes a square. Or circle takes a square. Um, he plays uh, Willie Parker, and he... Um, the movie opens. I really like the way it opens with uh, him kind of getting ready. Uh, he's straightening his tie, looking very suave, and he's going to court. And he's basically just totally turning over and testifying in court on everybody he's apparently in a gang with. <laughs> he says he wasn't coerced into saying the things that he says. No deal had been offered him. That he was just doing it because it was the right thing to do. Now, I imagine, you know, the fact that he's probably getting not prison and getting the opportunity to uh, be protected out of the country was factored in on it. But So the movie kind of makes me think of uh, 
Sexy Beast, which is one we did a long time mm-hmm. ago. Really, it's kind of a, a similar setup in that you have a guy that uh, has left the, Lon- the London mob scene. He's living out in this very hot-looking area in Spain, and he has some assholes, or in Sexy Beast case, asshole, come <laughs> track him down in, uh, in Spain to bring him back home. Uh, now, Ray Winstone was brought back for a different reason, mm-hmm. but um, in this one, it's the ga- former gang members, and basically they're going to fuck him up. He's like, you know, they they don't give up. It's been ten years. Ten years have passed, and uh, after his 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 court case, when he totally just gives up everybody, the uh, the guys all, all the guys that he's testifying against basically are sitting there singing that they'll see him again, um, except for this one guy who looks very unhappy wearing sunglasses. So. Mm-hmm. <sighs> water. What are you drinking? Just water. Ah. Yeah, no. Um, the so we're ten years later in Spain. Now this area, I don't know where this is exactly. It has to be filmed in the same area that Sexy Beast was because it looks like a desert essentially. Is it Spain? Spain? It is Spain. Yeah. Um, Terrence Stamp is uh, he's wearing this linen shirt, <laughs> maybe pants too. Who knows? But he wears like his belt. Like he has kind of like pleated, sort of high waisted pants, but. He, they don't have like belt loops. He just kind of has his belt around the pants, <laughs> kind of cinched. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he looks, shirt. He looks all right. Um, stay cool. But he's got this guy that kind of travels along with him, and he he really lo- he's he still really looks like General Zod in this movie. He put <laughs> a beard on him. It's still like it's still Zod, definitely. Um, but. Uh, through a slight mishap where he, I guess, you know, after a decade, you're going to get comfortable. But he he inadvertently, or maybe on purpose, loses the guy that is traveling with him, like his bodyguard. I don't know. It's not a bodyguard, but it, I guess the cops, it's a cop that just lives there nearby and makes sure that he doesn't get fucked up. Um, good job he did. Um, but <laughs> four men just kind of break into, we, we get this alternate scene, four men breaking into a house. And... Um, the it end up it ends up being his house. He's coming home from buying books, and um, they completely trash his house. They're there waiting for him. And what I like about this scene is, and this is kind of like, um, not to get too far of a stretch, but it's kind of like how the movie is because it doesn't follow any kind of formula that you'd expect for a mob picture or a gangster picture at all. Because really, this is a, I mean, this is a London, you know, this is a, a, a British gangster movie, but it's more, more a road trip than anything. Mm-hmm. And you th- and, and sort of, um, um, John Hurt and uh, Tim Roth's character sort of expect it to go like a regular gangster movie mm-hmm. would, and they're confounded <laughs> by what <laughs> and- the fuck's going on. But uh, you know, like I was getting ready to say, the example of this is the way that he's kind of taken into, I guess, custody. They kidnap him because it's not some big Hollywood fight. There's not punches thrown and guys flipping over balconies because he, he looks pretty desperate. Like he's throwing books at them and tipping over furniture and just trying to run out of any door he can. And then, you know, he gets up to the top floor of his house and there's a balcony. And it's like, well, fuck. I can never understand when somebody's chasing somebody why they run 
up the stairs because you're eventually <laughs> going to get to, you know, where there's nowhere to go. Right. Unless you live underground. Dig it. Yeah. Um, good point. <laughs> I never thought of that. Um, the And I couldn't run upstairs here. I don't know what I would do. If I was attacked here, I'd be fucked. <laughs> I'd just get don't. out of breath like Phil Baroni. <laughs> I got to piss. I got to piss. I'll be right back in five seconds. Um, <clears throat> so the uh, the guys have been hired by Roth and I don't know if Roth and and uh, her, her did the did the hiring, but whoever their boss is at least did. Um, they've been they're gonna do the handoff. They give those guys money, and um, those guys are gonna get fucked over, <laughs> except for one, and that one kind of kind of clues in the authorities in Spain about what has happened. So enter the, I guess, uh, other element of the film is the, when the fact that they're road movie, you always have this cop or this detective following them along, but I'll get to him more. Um, Tim Roth looks like he's 16 in this. Mm-hmm. Um I thought they would do something with it. He's got this like weird golden bird bracelet that he wears that they kind of focus on while he's driving, but they never really talk about it. Um, but yeah, he's playing Myron. He was 23, so he wasn't quite 16, but he's got this bleach blonde hair. He had like he had just been on the scene. Like I think he was only. Did we review Made in Britain? Mm, I've never seen it. I don't think. Okay. First thing I saw um, him was Reservoir Dogs. This uh, he he was. This is only the second movie he was ever in, and he played a skinhead in in Made in Britain, which I think might have been made for TV. But and um, conversely, John Hurt might have been born old. <laughs> he, he plays Braddock, and he's like very grizzled looking. Um, but there's a really nice contrast in it with the three different characters because you have Roth, who's like you know he's very young, he's a hothead. He's always trying. He, he's always almost getting them into trouble. You have Hurt, who is, I mean, he's calculated and kind of a bit, kind of a bastard. <laughs> and then you have um, Willie Parker, Terrence Stamp, who is, despite the situation he's in, is very cocky. Um, I like uh, the when he they're driving along and you know he has to piss. So he gets out of the car and he's just kind of like rolling his head around to stretch, like he's just <laughs> like ah, like it's nice to stretch your legs, kind of thing. And he's, yeah. he's pissing on a windmill, windmill, which is a weird visual, but <laughs> I don't know why. One of the big like uh, uh, you know Dutch looking windmills, sort of a jousting with windmills kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. You know, he's just pissing. He's just pissing he's um, I don't know. Well, I, I love- I, I, you think he was a Buddhist? It's he. He seems rather. Um, he's not afraid of. Well, okay. He he does through the whole movie. He holds on to this like cool as a cucumber uh, demeanor of his because he you know he he just he explains that he's not afraid of dying and it's it's that time that he's lived a good life. But it's like well, doesn't he say he says something like it's just another. Another and yeah, another step in the journey. Yeah, another kind of moment, thing, yeah. another step. Um, but so you got to want you. You do wonder, especially by the end of the movie, what it was. It all a ruse, right? Is he just playing mind games? And they never really say. Um, 
I love when Hurt goes to pat him down in the car and Stamp spreads his legs slightly like he's inviting Hurt to grab his dick. <laughs> Have at thee. Said, What's that? Have at thee. It was really that was funny. He's like, well, here you go. Um, Just another so, moment. Grab my dick. Yeah. Doesn't mean anything? <laughs> Just do it. Um, the enjoy the moment, gal. The. They 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 stop by and um so like I said this is a rude movie and this is a very like I don't want to say plotless but it's more the journey than it is kind of what's going on because the plot is really everything we said you know all the story we get that we need to know we pretty much get in the first ten minutes and then the rest of it is them traveling together with their zany adventures um not so zany but wow. <laughs> They, uh, you know, they they stop at a safe house, but there's this guy there that shouldn't be there that can kind of say where, you know, tell the wrong people that's, you know, who they, where who they are and where they are, and he has this girlfriend, Maggie, mm-hmm. Laura Del Sol. She was only what thirteen or fourteen? <laughs> well, yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they said that, and I'm like, what? Uh, yeah, I think she was supposed to be fifteen. Yeah, not not even close. Um, but they kind of take her along, and again, don't really ever say why. But there's becomes this kind of jousting match, this uh, verbal chess match between everybody. You got Stamp kind of messing with Roth at times, maybe planting some seeds in his head or getting him to kind of act out to lay breadcrumbs, so to speak. Um, and then you have Maggie, who Hurt kind of has a problem with, um, but didn't kill her. The And then the, the other character I was mentioning earlier is this detective. Now, what was interesting about this detective is that it was kind of like in uh, No Country for Old Men, how the whole story is um, Brolin getting chased by this Terminator guy, and then you have the cops following, and they can the, the cops are totally ineffectual. They do nothing. Mm. All they can do is just come across this trail of destruction and violence, and they but they only ever look at it. You never. I don't even think you ever hear this one detective speaking. Um. He plays no part in the thing except showing that, like, he's behind them entirely, and it's kind of weird. I, I thought that was, I thought that was an interesting touch on it. That the the there's no tension from the police officer at all. Oh, the one, uh, the chief of police guy was Fernando Ray, who was the um, main baddie in French Connection. Dig it, and he French was, Connection too. Dig it. Was he? Um... <laughs> <laughs> Was he the was he the detective that was right after them? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he doesn't really say much in the movie. Mm, he just kind of he just kind of like, oh look, here's somebody with their head blown off. Or... More clues. Yeah, yeah. They're 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 three steps behind. Um, it's um, the movie is. I feel like I'm going to run out of things to say without because it's really kind of like I said, it's it's experiencing this one. Um. Nothing super kind of overtly artsy about the way it's shot, but it looks very nice. They have some nice locales to shoot in. Um, 
It's a very spiritual feel. It is. It's not a very. It's not a fast movie at all, but it doesn't ever feel like it kind of drags on either. Um, it's got a really neat little uh, Eric Clapton soundtrack. Yeah. Doing the Spanish guitar thing with it. Um, it's a weird little genre bending movie because it doesn't. It it, it kind of keeps you guessing, but it's not the most tense movie in the world. It's got a it's got a good ending, unexpected ending. Um, I don't know. Do, what, do you want to add anything here? Because I don't have a ton else to I say just, about it. Um, like I said, it, it kind of um, should be uh, very um, straightforward. Yeah. But the way that they take it through Stamp's character, um, it becomes more of – for me, I – just started thinking about like the uh, I, I don't know if I would say a, a spiritual thing because I don't think I don't see it as like as a religious or anything like that, but just the inevitability of you know fate and um, we get so caught up in fear of the unknown, fear of death, fear of this and that, and here is this character who um, seemingly has come come to peace with himself with with not just his life but how uh life and nature and how things play out and uh he looks at things like you know well we're we're all going to die it's just a matter of time so why why um stress why worry why uh any of this when 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 we should just be enjoying the the moment, like even yeah. when he's in the car or even when these guys are threatening, even when all this stuff's going on, he is more or less just um, um, looking out the window and, and, and looking at the sky or the mountains or the trees, or uh, there's one scene in it that, and I even posted this, that, that just really, I just loved the waterfall is the waterfall scene. Yeah. And it's, you know, and that right there to me, uh, when you wonder if he was because the entire time this is going on and he's not reacting to their negative stimulus, he's not on his hands and knees, he's not crying, he's not saying, you know, save me, save me, oh, please let me go. I'll yeah, he doesn't money. try to get away. And their minds, because they're still so wrapped up in their world and, and what just comes naturally which is fear and anxiety and all this and that and he's totally going against the grain so they're thinking like we're thinking is this just a ruse is he trying to get them to let their guard down trying to win them over whatever but in that scene at the waterfall i think that gives you some answers to those questions as far as he's concerned now he i like the fact that in subtle ways in some ways and in subtle ways he begins his his nature and the way that he's acting and the way that he uh, is accepting this and the way he's looking at life almost subtly starts winning each one of the other characters over in different ways. They start thinking of themselves in different in a different way. They start mm-hmm. seeing things sort of maybe through his eyes a little bit, even though they still continue on with their journey, their quest, whatever. Um, and, now, uh, you know, you, you kind of, I like the change that you see in 
Tim Roth mm-hmm. because you know you get the you get the feeling that he's just very young and impressionable and but like I like the like frustration that you see with Hurt yeah because he's been doing this obviously a lot longer and the way that Stamp is is acting is just totally confounding to him and he just it fucking you can tell it just fucking drives him crazy but he's one of these guys that doesn't really talk much so it really comes out more in how you know his mannerisms and his behavior as opposed to what he's saying and he is he's an odd duck like with the girl uh the scene where she's biting his hand it's just like i don't know if he's a sadist or a masochist or or what but there's you know, you can see that he has, uh, you know, I mean, my God, look at her. Uh, <laughs> and she's going to, you know, she's the exact opposite of what how Stamp's acting because she is trying to manipulate the situation to get away or to escape or whatever and using her feminine wiles. Um, he's just really odd. That whole thing, like I said, with with the biting of the hand and the way that he acts towards her and treats her. Mm-hmm. It's almost like this alpha male shit. <laughs> he should have had without, one of those without much, on. without saying much though. Yeah. Yeah. I, I shouldn't say that, but I mean, he's, he's just odd. And, um, it's one of the reasons I like the movie so much. I had seen this one time before I, I'm like you, I, I think I got on, uh, on iTunes and they actually have like a criteria section yeah, and I yeah. went to that and downloaded it. I had seen the box art for it and just kind of passed it by for a long time. And I really enjoyed it. And when you said you wanted to watch it, I was, you know, anxious to see it again. Cause I really yeah. liked it the first time. Um, it's just a different movie and it, it has a different take and a different spin on things in an interesting way. And, um, no, yeah, I just really liked it. I, I can yeah. see why, you know, I know Criterion has like chasing Amy and some fucking Duh. shit turds like that, but this is a fucking, uh, definitely a forgotten gem. And, uh, yeah, I, I totally recommend this movie. So, so Stephen, Stephen Frears directed this. Um, now I understand I should, I, I've read, I should see the grifters, which I haven't seen. Oh yeah. It's really good. Yeah. Um, dangerous liaisons. Is that any good? Uh, I have not seen that one. That that has Glenn Close, John Malkovich, yeah. and Michelle Pfeiffer, and um, he did High Fidelity. Yeah, and so, you like that one. Grifters yeah. is really good. I think you'd like it. Dirty Pretty Things I saw of his, which was pretty good too. That has um, Audrey Tattoo Tattoo in it. She's Grifters really... is, uh, has Cusack, but it is not funny. <laughs> it's good. It's a it's a good one. Cool. Well, let's rate it. Um, this one caught me off guard, caught me by surprise, and. Um, Definitely uh, off the beaten path with this kind of film, um, kind of like Sexy Beast was. Mm-hmm. Um, I give it a I give it a eight point two five. I liked it a lot. Mm, I think I give it an eight point five. Nice. Yeah, I liked it a lot. I'd, it's a, it's rewatchable, definitely. Yeah, I'll see it again. Yeah. Cool. Um, we didn't get much in the way of feed sack, which means nothing. But I well, think we, we did got have a, a we got questions. some questions. Yeah. All right. I didn't research them. So on the feed bag. Do you want to? Do you want to read them? Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I didn't prepare. I forgot that I even posted the thing. Okay, <laughs> this comes from Gronky. What reboot would you like to see happen? Off the top of my head, I I want to see a good Green Lantern. 
and I think that might be in the works, but after re because I love Green Lantern, and after watching the 2011 one, I'm just like, this needs they need to do something else with this. Spider Man would be another one. I think they're going to reboot that too, though. Um, where I wish they could get the the feel of it right if they're going to, but Gr- Green Lantern more because I I do like the the um, the first Spider Man movies they did. Um, I didn't really like the most recent ones all that. Well, the most recent one that I saw, I didn't see the one after it, but it was all right. Um, I'll have to think for a minute on any older ones than that, though. Well, I hate to say it, but you know. Reboot, jeez. Oh, why not reboot the Billy Jack movies? There you go. Yeah, because they'll fucking put like uh, Denzel Washington as Billy Jack, and and uh, fucking uh, you know I don't know. I mean they'll they'd fuck it up. They'd have like a uh, Triple H or uh, John Cena as Billy Jack. I don't know. But anyway, yeah, why not? Uh, next question. Uh, this comes from Matsuzaga. Uh, that's an odd name. I think he is Asian. Um, if you could only watch movies starring one specific actor, who would it be? Ooh. Oh. Uh, you want to take that one? <sighs> One's Bo Svensson. <laughs> Bo Svensson. How many? I don't think he started that movie. He is a Swedish redneck. Um, no, I mean, like, if, if every movie, if I can only watch movies starring one specific actor, I the way I took that was, like, every movie from now on that I watch oh. would star Bo Svensson. Like, if it was Lincoln starring Bo Svensson, <laughs> uh, or um, fucking uh, Transformers starring Bo Svensson, you know, just like, um. you know. Guess who's coming to dinner? Starring Bo Svensson as in the Sydney Poitier part. Well, if how about if 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 it's that? I mean, I'd fucking love to see new movies made with Clint Howard. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> now, like, if it was like uh, movies that are already made, yeah, you know, well, my God, if if you could only watch movies starring one specific actor, well, then I would definitely want someone who has a long and long filmography because yeah. I wouldn't want to be watching the same shit all the time. Like Elizabeth, uh, whatever the fuck her name was from born losers has two fucking movies. Um, with, I'll see with that. I would say, oh my gosh, I like Sean Connery. Why not? I mean, that just comes Connery. to my head. Um, Paul Newman. Would be yeah, up there for me. Yeah. Uh, Gene Hackman. I love Joe Don Baker. <laughs> uh, What's that noise? What does that mean? I'm click, that, I'm, I know. I'm click, I mean, I'm, like, it's my it's my it's my thinking click. Oh, okay, thinking click click. <laughs> um, I don't know. What about Jimmy maybe Tom Stewart? Cruise? I like Jimmy his movies. Stewart. I like Tom Cruise's movies. He makes a lot of good fucking movies. Bastard. Lancaster was good. Burt Lancaster. Uh, that's almost like just uh, a who's your favorite movie star thing. But I think my initial reaction with Bo Svensson was the most honest. Um, this <laughs> comes from Eric. <laughs> How are your guys' cholesterol levels? Uh, I I assume fine, but I haven't had any blood work done in probably seven years. Mine is good f- through medication because I had a uh, – 
heart problem that had me in the hospital for quite a long, for quite a while. So um, everything's cool now. Taking my pills, and uh, I'm doing all right. I assume mine's fine because I don't eat a lot of like stuff that would give you high cholesterol. I didn't either. I do eat- had a fucking heart attack. So uh, uh, it, well, it just depends on genetics too. Yeah, I don't. I don't know that. I, I know that like high blood pressure runs in the family, but I don't think anybody had, that I know has cholesterol. It's problems, just good so. once you reach a certain age. Once you, to me, once you get like thirty five or older, just to get it checked once a year, just you know, because like I said, I was working out every day of the week, doing cardio, lifting weights, and eating like fucking boneless, skinless chicken and raw vegetables for every fucking meal, and I still had something happen. So God damn it, God damn it, just uh, keep an eye on yourself unless you have a death, a death wish. Death wish. You know, let me ask you. Here, here's a question I want to add to the feedback. Okay. Um, if you could post a meme right now, straight out <laughs> of what would it be? Because mine would be a picture of Bo Svensson, and it would say straight out of Sweden. Um, I don't know. I got nothing. Good. <laughs> I, I mean, I have something. Let it, let it die. Say. Just let it die. It's- here. Free, free. All right, that's it for the show. Um, you can always send us feed sack to 206 339 1600 or silvergoldpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, our show is on iTunes, on Stitcher Radio, and on our website, silvergold.com. And join our Facebook group because that's where we ask the questions and watch nobody reply at facebook.com slash groups slash. Silva and Gold. As I said, we're doing another show on a kind of a short turnaround, so keep an eye out for that. It's a crossover with several uh, buddies. Um, Gentleman's Guide kind of are starting the whole thing, but we'll go into it more when we do the episode in a few days. Yeah, and we already watched those motherfuckers. We did, and the it, it will be uh, us reviewing movies, having watched them both in the same room for the first time ever. Yeah, I never thought of that. Covered mm-hmm. in crumbs. Yeah, <laughs> just sweeping them off into the little trough in the in the middle. Dude, I got to go to Target. I forgot. I got to get some of those fucking goddamn cookies, man. The cookies, yeah. Oh, those are so good. I need to get more broccoli. I've been eating that broccoli every fucking day that you left. <laughs> Shit. I was thinking when I came back, I was like, man, I bought that whole thing of grapes. I bought that whole thing of broccoli. I have the grapes still. I have yeah. the carrots and the broccoli. Well, there you but go. I didn't, I didn't bother taking the spinach. What time did you, you uh, end up uh, getting up and leaving? Uh, I got up at like eight and then I left. Did I you left. hear me leave? No, you, you got out of there. Dude, early. I left at two o'clock in the fucking morning. I, it had to have been because I woke up at like one and then I woke up at three and you were gone at three. <laughs> I woke up and I was like, I, I, as soon as I woke up, I was like, I, I just thought, okay, I know I'm going to start thinking about the trip back and I'm not going to be able to fall back to sleep. <laughs> if I get on the road now, there will be zero traffic. And I can just kind of and the from about two or two thirty till daylight. It's funny how it fucks with you because um, it wasn't like I was falling asleep, but I was just like, "Oh, this is miserable." As soon as the sun came up, I was wide awake. Yeah, you got you fucking ninja out of there, man. I did not. I did not even stir, and I could. That door was so loud. I can't believe you got out of the door. And I saw a whole bunch of the wrestlers, the the uh, the guys that wrestled. Uh, when I walked out, they were down at, at outside, uh, just hanging out. They were like, "Hey, how's it going?" Nice, asshole! You're the one that was yelling shit at us, weren't you? 
was uh was a uh, grumpy cat there or whatever the fuck um, his name was big, muscle cat <laughs> the, the muscle cat i think he was there and the one that we said that looked like jesus and muscle cat looked like jesus yeah okay was jesus was there muscle then there cat. was like that arachnid guy was he out there no 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 the, the other ones i were just you know jesus was the one that i you know uh, remember was the really cute girl that the that the fat ass guy that kept getting his arm in my picture was she out there? Was that the one? Uh, she was dark hair, dark skin. She was in the mix tag with the guy. Yeah, she was wearing the light blue. Yeah, no, nah, nah. I saw the other girl though, the little uh, Bavarian Swedish. Awesome. Well, that's it for this today. Uh, until next time, this is a loaf. Oot, azam, oot. Bye bye. Thank you.